0: is district sentinel radio i'm sam Sachs. i'm sam knight we are broadcasting out of the middle east report studio in washington dc check out our website DistrictSentinel.com. this is that daily newscast for the left brought to you by two sams and we have a third mammal in studio with us uh, like the dog who uh, you'll occasionally hear snorting throughout the podcast like i hear excited about uh about Mike Gravel as well. <laughs> or at least Mike Gravel's students, or a group of students who are trying to compel Mike Gravel to run for president. I woke this morning to that tweet storm from yesterday uh, Mike Gravel jumping in, or people trying to encourage Mike Gravel to jump in, doing a hell of a job, just shit posting about all the other candidates. <laughs> Uh, proposing a run not to win the whole damn thing. I mean, he's almost eighty something years old, but uh, just to get on the debates to push a more anti-imperialist uh line of questioning and debate. Yeah one one of those tweets. I
1: support that. Yeah, one of those tweets. The uh, probably the best one was the uh, Mike Gravel twenty twenty starter pack, which was a photo of Kissinger. A photo of Cheney, a photo of Elliot Abrams, and then a photo of handcuffs.
0: I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, extremely good content. It's apparently uh, being put together by a high school senior. And uh, they told Splinter. Yeah, they told Splinter that they are avid listeners of the Chapo Trap House. Uh, The podcast had mentioned Gravel in a recent episode. So about a week ago, they uh, reached out to Gravel and asked if you would consider making another run for president. And uh, they've since set up a website and uh, are doing a bunch of shit posting uh, under Mike Gravel's name. Uh, Chapo, good again. <laughs> <laughs> Chapo has been
1: uncanceled for now. I mean, folks. I guess
0: Gravel has some shitty uh, opinions. Obviously, uh, he's a politician and has been for a while. He has done a lot of good things. The Pentagon Papers was all him. Uh, reading them, at least in the uh, congressional uh, in a co- committee hearing. But uh, I, th- I think he's kind of a flat tax guy. I've seen that reported <laughs> that he's a flat tax guy. Ye- Yeesh! But uh, yikes! It, it'd be it'd be it'd be good, I think, to have Gravel
1: on the debate stage. Certainly for the foreign policy issues, and yeah. he is a bit of a living legend for the Pentagon Papers thing. That was that was pretty cool of him.
0: Yeah. Another story to follow up on here, the Beto O'Rourke fundraising numbers, you know, he said he got raised $6.1 million in the first 24 hours, but it wouldn't really break down where that funding came from. Well, now the campaign is, uh, after Campaign Stop, O'Rourke told reporters that he received uh, more than 128,000 unique contributions, which uh, not contributors, not donors, but contributions, which could mean multiple contributions by a single person. Uh, and that was an average donation size of uh, $48. So a lot of reporters ran with the story that Beto O'Rourke just eclipsed Bernie Sanders. And it's true, he raised $200,000 more than Bernie in the first 24 hours, but Bernie has more than 100,000 donors. More than Beto. And who knows, even even more than that potentially, considering how this campaign is... Uh, talking about contributions rather than donors, but
1: yeah i I guess I I'd was... rather
0: have the hundred thousand extra donors <laughs> who can keep donating money to me than have the two hundred thousand dollars that'll be spent pretty fucking quick. Well, I was wrong that O'Rourke's
1: uh donor base did not consist solely of a few thousand <laughs> maxed out. I guess that uh, New York donors. state rep
0: on Twitter was wrong too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah but it will be interesting in a month to see how many people have maxed out if any on uh beto <laughs> yeah or or just uh what what kind of huge four digit uh contributions he was getting i i think the the uh yeah we were a little wrong but Not really that wrong. I'm not going to concede anything until I see the actual FEC data. True. And I would only concede something in the context of Beto fans conceding that the haul was not as impressive as initially advertised. And that was itself obvious at the time because they refused to release these numbers. And they're still fudging it, as you said.
0: Yeah. All right. It's Wednesday, March 20th, 2019. Here's the news. Marco Rubio met today with Haitian President
1: Jovenel Moïse. This comes Uh weeks after Rubio met with the country's foreign minister, Boshit Edmond. A week after the first meeting, armed U.S. mercenaries were arrested by Haitian law enforcement at the country's central bank. They were whisked back to the U.S. without being charged. This is all happening amid a corruption scandal in Haiti involving oil money from Venezuela, the Trump administration maneuvering to get Haiti to support regime change operations to oust Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro. Amid all this, Haiti has been rocked by street protests in in recent weeks, as people demand to know where the oil money went amid government-imposed austerity measures and why their government is backing the U.S. coup in Venezuela. Senator Rubio today said this of his meeting with the Haitian president on Twitter, quote, thanked President Moise for his support on Venezuela and spoke about exploring opportunities to partner on economic development
0: and stopping drug trafficking. Uh, that's, that sounds even more ominous. I wonder what other world leaders, when they see Rubio begging on Twitter for uh, members of the Venezuelan military to defect, <laughs> it's not too late. Just please, please, please defect. You will
1: get immunity, as Uh, the real President Guaido has said. And he is definitely the real president, as evidenced by my multiple meltdowns at CNN when they don't declare him the real president. Uh, In other news, a, a report by The Intercept shed more light on what those U.S. mercenaries in Haiti were actually doing Trying to move $80 million for President Moise so he could hide the money from political rivals in the government. Basically, trying to rob a bank. <laughs> <laughs> right. Amid this political crisis in Haiti, Prime Minister Jean Henri Seant has become a critic of President Moise, and Seant would assume power if the president were to resign. Obviously, for more on this, I would say check out our interview. Uh, with Jake Johnson from CEPR and uh, the Haiti Reconstruction Watch blog. He did a lot of uh, reporting on this, and we just And then read the, the Intercept article. Yeah, and read the Intercept article. You'll get a, a full story on what's going on there. And apologies if I uh, butchered the names there.
0: Yesterday, we reported on the autocracy developing at the Department of the Interior, which, according to a report from the Watchdog Group Public Employees for Environmental Responsibility, is currently being run by eight staffers, none of which have been confirmed by the Senate. Well, the Senate may not be doing its job acting as a check on what's going on at the department, the courts at least are. Late Tuesday, a federal judge here in D.C. blocked oil and gas drilling on 300,000 public acres of land in Wyoming. Judge Rudolph Contreras found that the U.S. Bureau of Land Management, which, by the way, is one of the Interior Department agencies headed by an unconfirmed director, The BLM did not properly assess the effects that such drilling might have on climate change, according to Judge Contreras. Reading from the ruling, quote, "...climate change and humanity's ability to combat it are increasingly prominent topics of public discourse. This case concerns the attention the government must give climate change when taking action that may increase its effects. BLM failed to take a hard look at greenhouse gas emissions from the Wyoming lease sales." The ruling prevents the administration from drilling on the lands until it comes back with an environmental assessment for each of the hundreds of drill sites that have been proposed. It's a ruling that could have sweeping ramifications for the Trump administration's plans to expand drilling on other public lands. Or at least it's going to give these shitheads in the administration a lot more paperwork to do as they go about destroying the planet. Should uh, lead to some good Liz Cheney meltdowns,
1: too. (laughs) Senate Republicans are looking to alter rules to ram through district judge nominees. Majority Leader Mitch McConnell could bring up a motion to change Senate procedure as soon as next week, according to The Hill. Currently, the upper chamber allows for up to 30 hours of debate on nominees, even those with widespread support. That time limit could be sliced to two hours if Republicans get their way. Number two, Senate Republican and giant Twitter dumbass John Cornyn said that Democrats would change the rules if they were in charge. Well, not so sure about that. Cornyn told The Hill, quote, it's pretty clear they're willing to do that in 2021, but they're not willing to do it now, which is not a very principled position. Very unprincipled of my enemies to not give me power.
0: I'm not sure why Mitch McConnell's freaking out here. All he has to do is propose naming some road in Virginia after Robert Mueller, and <laughs> Chuck Schumer and the Democrats will give him all the judges he wants to, to, to be confirmed. <laughs> Indeed, they will. What was the deal that Schumer made last year was, uh, we'll confirm all these judges as long as we can go back to our districts to start campaigning, and they did that, and the Senate got schla- Senate Democrats got shellacked. Yep. <laughs> Hey, but uh, you know, at, at
1: least uh, at least Joe Manchin could have his summer break or whatever. <laughs> Anti-airplane squad, what up? What's up? The top government watchdog released a report on airline regulation or lack thereof, with increased focus on the Boeing 737 debacle. This one doesn't have to do with malfunctioning autopilots, but rather malfunctioning markets. According to the government accountability office, the department of transportation isn't as forthcoming as it should be on antitrust issues. As GAO noted, the department currently has in effect 23 antitrust exemptions for commercial airliners, but the department quote does not externally report information on the effects of granted immunities to Congress industry stakeholders and the public since 2009, Companies subject to these exemptions have been required to file annual reports with the department. Still, no public audit audit or congressional report. The department responded to GAO by saying it would offer public information on its monitoring, but that it would not, quote, report on the effects of antitrust immunity.
0: So the fix is literally in. I wonder if there's a connection between uh, the outsized power that uh these companies have in the airline industry and the uh influence they have to get certain antitrust exemptions. Yeah, probably.
1: I mean they were uh they were accused of of price fixing a few uh years ago. Yeah. on on what? seat sizes and remember when oil prices just collapsed and yet airline tickets were still no cheaper for the longest
0: time? That yeah. was fucked up. Finally today, when you see a headline that reads, quote, Clarence Thomas speaks up at SCOTUS arguments for the first time in three years, you just know that Thomas was saying some pretty awful shit. And he was this time, like he was last time. During oral arguments before the high court on Wednesday, Clarence Thomas chimed in to defend the state of Mississippi's death row case against an inmate who's alleging racial bias during his trial, Curtis Flowers was convicted in 2010 for murdering four people, but the prosecutor in the case had a long history of excluding black jurors from the trial. Before the Supreme Court has taken up this case, Flowers' conviction had been overturned by the Mississippi Supreme Court, citing the racial discrimination practice during jury selection by the prosecutor who used his strikes— to prevent black jurors from being seated in the trial. I'm just going to go ahead and assume that if the Mississippi Supreme Court says that something was racist, then it was
1: really racist.
0: Yes, it was. In fact, Flowers was tried for the same crime six times. Oh, Jesus. With the prosecutor only securing convictions from juries that were all white, or at least had 11 white members, convictions that were twice later overturned. In the two trials with more than one black member of the jury, the verdict ended deadlocked. An analysis found that during those six trials, 61 of the 72 jurors were white, and all 61 voted for guilt, while only five of the 11 African Americans on the six jurors, six juries during the six trials, uh, voted for guilt. The normally mute Clarence Thomas piped up to note that the defense attorneys in the case also struck a few potential white jurors. (laughs) So it's all good, then. It's all good. Thank you for your input, Clarence. Thomas was the lone... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Clarence Thomas was the... For the
1: record, the- defense attorneys can... Well, you can strike... You, you can strike jurors for whatever reason. You don't have to give...
0: Well, you're not supposed Anyways. to strike them on racial grounds. No, you're not, of course. The thing is, <laughs> but the this prosecutor that- <laughs> who's been in this job for a while has a long history of doing it and isn't very good at trying to find other reasons to strike people beyond their race. But just the, yeah, So but- much so that the Mississippi <laughs> State <laughs> Supreme Court <laughs> found it problematic. I'm just saying the defense attorneys
1: striking a few potential white jurors does not... Or I was trying to say that anyway. That yeah. doesn't make up for it anyway.
0: Clarence Thomas was the lone dissent in a similar case three years ago when the high court found that there was racial bias during jury selection that tainted a separate defendant's conviction. And the last time Thomas spoke up during a Supreme Court proceeding was also three years ago, and that was to defend the Second Amendment. He doesn't speak up much, but every time he does... I think it's a good time to remind folks that he shouldn't even be on the Supreme Court. And I'm not even talking about the Anita Hill stuff. Clarence Thomas is corrupt. He's attended coke sponsored political fundraisers. He's lied on financial disclosures. And he has a myriad of conflicts of interest involving his wife and various right-wing funders who often have business before the Supreme Court. He shouldn't be allowed to speak on the Supreme Court because he shouldn't be on the Supreme Court to begin with. And there's been a lot of uh, good... Excuse you, Leica. There's been a lot of good talk lately from presidential candidates about packing the Supreme Court, and I 100% agree that right now would be a great time to pack the Supreme Court. But it's also a good time to impeach Clarence Thomas and impeach Brett Kavanaugh while we're at it, too. That could solve the problem as well. Might be a little easier, too. uh, The the threshold for impeachment is pretty high, but it would certainly be just as satisfying. All right, on that... We're going to end the show for today. Thank you for listening. For more content like this, subscribe at patreon.com slash district sentinel. Thank you to our sponsors, the Congressional Dish podcast hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com. Also, the Merip, the Middle East Report. Find it at merip.org. We're back tomorrow for the 420 show for Patreon subscribers only. It's the uh, live stream of the news- newscast. Starts at 420 eastern time tune in until then we're here in dc so you don't have to be